0: Inspired by Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin's efforts to calm our financial markets, Forward Nation Radio would like to begin with a public service announcement for our listeners. No fire! No fire! No fire! We're not all going to die! We're not all going to die! We're not all going to die! This has been a public service announcement from Forward Nation Radio. We hope that you are all feeling reassured. It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now, here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. This is Forward Nation Radio with me, David Levithal. Thank you for joining us today on our special War on Christmas edition of Forward Nation Radio. In other words, happy holidays, everybody. The day where we celebrate a Jewish immigrant. We're a little late this week. Sorry for our faithful listeners. We were waiting for Christmas Day to see if... President Scrooge, by any chance, had any visitors last night, and maybe we might all have been saved. But no, apparently the president is alone in the White House without any ghostly visitors and not doing any better, tweeting about his poor fate and the government shutdown. And that's our top story. The government is still shut down for the third time in the still young, God help us, Trump administration. Government is shut down, which of course the president thinks is a good thing. Because after all, the government shutdown means that a lot of federal workers are working without pay. Or as Donald Trump would have it, wait, isn't that what workers always do? Donald Trump's used to workers working without any pay. So what would be the big deal of a government shutdown? This is in case you are unsure because so little seems to be being made of this government shutdown. What does it mean that our government is shut down? Well, as we noted a few months ago for the last government shutdown, it means this is probably not a great time to go visit a national park or national agencies or try to get your passport done or whatever. Uh, Yes, there is some funding in the budget for, for some time still, so we're not feeling the worst effects at this point. But we are on austerity and there is not money to do things. It means a lot of workers are working for free. It means that costs ultimately to the federal government are going to go up because of the problems that are caused by having to basically stop and restart, and whatever. Sorry, Mr. Trump, who's busy tweeting right now that this is going to save a whole lot of money. Government shutdowns don't actually save money. They actually cost money. Last one, just for a few days, having cost something like $24 billion was estimated for the government. Services will go down, and workers will be working without pay. Here's the funny part. You know which workers are working without pay? Border security! I'm not making this up. You can't make this up. Border border security agents are working for free. But that's okay, because they're not actually going to work for free. Sorry, President Trump, if you're listening, close your ears. They won't actually work for free. You know why? Because Democrats will make sure that they get paid. Yeah, you know, working men and women... Democrats, you can count on to make sure that you don't end up being exploited and working for free. That, in fact, you get paid. Just keep going out and voting for Trump. Yeah, that'll work. This all happened, of course, after the Senate passed a continuing resolution to keep government open. In some rare examples of Senate actually being able to agree on things in this country, the Senate overwhelmingly voted to push back the date of a government shutdown by a couple of months in order to keep our government running for a little while. Remember how President Trump initially uh, was taking ownership of the government shutdown that was looming? Proud of the fact that he would be the one doing it? Until someone with perhaps a third grade education decided to inform him that that really wasn't a good idea, and he tried to walk that one back. Whatever, reality doesn't particularly matter in the Trump world, so even though we all saw the videos, Trump spent early in the week trying to walk back the fact that he clearly owned the government shutdown, only to find out that he needn't bother, that it turns out his supporters continue to be so damn insane that he didn't have to walk back ownership of the shutdown. They were perfectly happy with the whole deal, and if it eventually did come to bite them in the ass, it doesn't matter They'd be able to blame somebody else for it anyway. Well, in that spirit, Trump initially, of course, came out and said that he would sign the continuing resolution to keep the government running. And then right-wing radio scumbags like Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter spoke out against the president for being unwilling to shut down the government. The base got riled up, and once again, this country demonstrated the president demonstrated that this country was being ruled by the dumbest fucking morons on the planet and the right-wing jackasses the the trump base right-wing radio got the president to switch sides and say no no no, i'm going to embrace my base and i'm gonna not sign the continuing res- resolution and i'm going to be happy when government shuts down why because the base wants its wall it really wants its wall It needs its wall. Like its big SUVs and other things that I guess are testaments to its manhood. It just needs the damn wall. Raising the question that I've been having with several informed commentators during the week. To what extent even Republican congressmen, as well as the base and right-wing radio, do they actually believe any of this shit about needing a wall that is so obviously Not only not needed, but a complete waste and going to get in the way of all kinds of things. And the bottom line seems to be, as we've talked about in this show, this continues to be such a damn cult that these morons actually believe it. Congressmen coming out, several of them you may have heard on all over the radio, we need this wall, we're being invaded. Yes, those women and children really are prevent, presenting such a great problem for America. Those poor, starving, hungry hungry women and children t- trying to flee violence. And here's the thing. Many of these people, maybe even Trump, actually believe this bullshit. This is so much of a cult that they actually believe this country is going down the drain if we don't have this absolutely worthless wall, which we will spend billions of dollars on rather than spending things that we actually need, like educating our citizens to not vote Republican, and investing in things that this country does need, like roads, airport, mass transit, things like that. Well, of course, the funny thing, to some extent, is, who knows? Pretty soon, we actually may need a wall. We may need it around the entire United States. Not for the reasons they think, but because of climate change. Because things that we actually should be addressing, things that we should be spending money on, things that we should be concerned about, like the destruction of the planet as we know it, doesn't register on the Republican radar. But once the world starts getting inundated and drowning, then we're all going to have to build moats and walls and whatever else. Maybe we should just, you know, try to deal with the problem first. But anyway, Trump's got a big problem with the wall, a couple of problems being that Democrats in Congress don't want to throw the damn money away when we could use it for other things and are facing such a huge budget deficit. Budget deficit, you remember that, a term that we haven't heard since the Republicans took power. You know, they only care about budget deficits when Democrats are in power, if We have, as, as we have talked about at length on this show. But it turns out Donald Trump may have lost another funding source as well. The Trump Foundation, which apparently could have been using money to pay for the wall, is kaput at this point. Yes, the Trump Foundation. As the right will tell you, that great charitable enterprise helping people all around the world. Oh, wait until you stop laughing. Yeah, it turns out that the Trump Foundation is kaput. And the courts will be supervising the distribution of its meager assets that haven't already gone into the pockets of Trump and the Trump family. Wait a minute, no more charity for Trump and his children? That's terrible. Yes, Trump, the President of the United States, was running a charity, which to the surprise of nobody again, we've talked about this at length on this show, but now... Everyone in the real world knows, in other words, people not watching Fox News, that the Trump Foundation was nothing more than a checkbook to serve the interests of the Trump family. That's not coming from me. That's actually coming from the Attorney General and from the court. From the settlement agreement, ending the charity. What the ADAG, Attorney General of New York, described as a shocking pattern of illegality from the Trump foundation raising money for charity and giving it to Donald Trump and his family including apparently paying what is it little Eric's boy scout dues and yet in America We're going to talk about the Clinton Global Initiative. Yeah, we've got a charity run by the actual President of the United States, which is nothing but a criminal organization masquerading as a charity. And if you listen to the Mercer family, if you listen to Steve Bannon, if you listen to right-wing radio, and you listen to Fox News, in other words, if you're a fucking moron, the only thing you will hear is the Clinton Global, Global Initiative. Clinton Global Initiative, which is actually saving millions of lives around the world, raising and spending money on, what's the word? Charities. With great ratings from charitable rating organizations. But this is America. And so this, a charity that's actually doing good things, Becomes the brunt, gets the brunt of criticism from the right in this country. Whereas an actual criminal organization stealing money from people who think they're giving it to charity in order to put it into the pockets of worthless billionaires actually doesn't get the same kind of media attention. Think we have some problems with the media in this country? Maybe just a little bit. But but gosh, back to the government shutdown. With With this government shutdown, oh no, wait. Does, does this mean we're not going to be able to fund our war in Syria? Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oops, never mind. I forgot. No more war in Syria. We've pulled out of our war in Syria. Look, we don't want to make the argument on this show that we need to be listening to the military and spending more money abroad. On the other hand, every now and then, We need to be listening to people who know what the hell they're talking about. When it comes to domestic policy, for instance, maybe we should be doing a little bit less listening to Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter. And when it comes to foreign policy, maybe we should be doing a little bit less listening to President Erdogan of Turkey and, you know, Trump's asshole. Not Erdogan, Trump, you know, pulling his decision-making out of his ass. Yes, it turns out, of course, that Trump has decided to pull U.S. forces out of Syria, as you all, I'm sure, know by now, to the great consternation of pretty much everybody in our government, including the right, etc., and many people around the world, after having a conversation with the president of Turkey. Yes, as usual, our negotiator-in-chief can't be allowed to talk to anybody, because when he talks to somebody, this absolute tool just demonstrates that he's an absolute tool. So, so bad, of course, that you've all heard the Secretary of Defense, James Mattis, resigned. You remember James Mattis. Remember the three adults in the room. Remember the, we don't have to be that scared about what this little imbecile child president is going to do to the world because we have a couple of grown ups in the room. Remember all those books that talked about people in the administration, like the defense secretary, who had a plan to tackle the president of the United States if he went for the nuclear button in order to try to save the world? You know, the adults in the room that were putting our minds at ease. Well, it turns out Defense Secretary Mattis, Mad Dog, his affectionate nickname, was the last adult in the White House. And he's now just about gone. We have no adults left. We have nobody, apparently, to tackle the President of the United States when he goes for the nuclear button in a fit of pique during a tweet storm at 3 a.m. Not to scare anybody or anything, but, again, you should be afraid. You will be. You will be sorry that was yoda um so mattis left leaving us adultless in the white house and was harshly critical of the president something that we haven't seen in this country since well since yeah since basically we've been a country or as andy borowitz noted this week isis names trump man of the year Yes, because pulling out of Syria apparently will embolden and give ISIS a last respite, perhaps to survive, when apparently we were getting closer to stamping them out. Could somebody explain to the President of the United States, by the way, that there is a difference between ISIS and ICE? I think this has to be a real problem. You know, they're so close together. They're so close-sounding. So I assume when someone said to the president, you know, this will be good for ISIS. He said, great, more for border security. Excellent. Yeah, because he really is that stupid. And uh, along with Mattis, because of the whole emboldening ISIS thing, we had Brett McGurk. I know, a name none of us have ever heard before. And by none of us, apparently, I include the president of the United States who had no idea who the hell his top diplomat battling ISIS was. Well, this top diplomat against ISIS just resigned because of what we were doing to embolden ISIS. So, of course, the Trump administration is out there. The Trump lackeys left are out there on the Sunday talk circuits saying, Brett McGurk, that guy's an Obama appointee. You can't trust this guy. Brett McGurk, who clerked for for ultra-conservative Republican Supreme Court Chief Justice William Rehnquist, was appointed by Bush, has been a lifelong Republican, will just get dismissed like everything else by making shit up and tying it to the black guy. Turns out that Mattis, as well as everyone else in our government, was getting a little upset at a president who spent all of his time attacking our erstwhile allies while embracing dictators. Just let that one sink in for a moment. The President of the United States continues to burn bridges to allies, the post-World War II world order, burn it down, in favor of embracing dictators. And this is a guy who continues to get rolled by those dictators, like Erdogan of Turkey, and won't listen to anybody in the United States you know, won't listen to the CIA give its briefings on Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia. And yet, despite that, we saw some movement. The Senate did get some CIA briefings on MBS and how the United States is once again cozying up to a murderous dictator. And in fact, the Senate, in maybe what is hopefully a harbinger of things to come, actually peeled away from the president and his lunatic base for a little while to vote, at least symbolically, to end the war in Yemen and to sanction and stop supporting MBS in Saudi Arabia. Maybe a little bit of a crack in the wall there. Speaking of cracks in the wall, a cracked president The last week has continued to see him just get more and more unmoored from any semblance of reality. The President of the United States is insane. We are reminded about how from our very first show at Forward Nation Radio, we were talking about the 25th Amendment and the removal of a president who does not have the mental capacity to continue in office. And this gets closer and closer and closer. This guy's tweeting about his wall now being a bunch of steel slats. Forget all those promises about it being a concrete wall. His base won't care. It's a cult. And if the cult leader switches uh, switches gears in the middle of the race, it doesn't matter because they won't even notice. So that concrete wall has become a wall of steel slats. The lunatic is tweeting pictures of his wall, what he envisions for walls. It's being reported in the White House that his TV watching has increased. The man who over a year ago, we pointed out, was watching TV up to about eight hours a day as president of the United States. And that's between golfing. It's actually gone up, according to his aides. He's watching more TV. And believe me, it's just Fox News and it's just lunatic stuff. He becomes more and more isolated. He knows less and less of anything. He just attacks everybody around him. Did you see the clip this week? Of him insulting personally a reporter who asked him a question? Just personally insulting her? It's sick. And you start to ask the question, again, in light of the meeting with Pelosi and Schumer from from a week or two ago, where they have to try to treat this walking, talking piece of trash with respect because he represents the presidency of the United States. I watched the clip with the reporters and all I think, enough. There, there needs to be an end to this. Like, like long ago, the press gave up its reluctance to use the word lying when talking about the president of the United States. Well, frankly, it's time to give up this idea that we must always be respectful of the president of the United States. Like loyalty, it's to the office. It's not to the man or whatever version of manhood this is in the White House. If it's, it's, loyalty is not to him, it's to the presidency. And when this guy insults reporters, it should be perfectly acceptable for those reporters to file to fire back and say, "You worthless piece of garbage! You're going to talk about me. You're a disgusting criminal occupying the White House." And that's what Democratic leaders should start saying. Enough with treating this man with dignity and respect he does not deserve. He is a cretin. He is a bottom feeder. And we shouldn't do him the favor of treating him as if he deserves our respect. And that goes to reporters. That goes to the opposition. Obviously, a long time ago, that's gone to podcast hosts. It's becoming increasingly clear. There's just there's just no way this guy can last his term. They talk about things for the 2020 election and could he win and will Republicans run a primary challenge. It is getting harder and harder to imagine that this guy can last his term. It is getting harder and harder to imagine, frankly, that this country can last this term. It just gets harder crazier and crazier and crazier. It's like every week I, I, my a frequent guest on this show, my, my brother who's been on this show said to me in a conversation during the week I guess it was part of our Christmas conversation this was this week was crazy and of course the response is we've had a hundred weeks of crazy. It just gets crazier and crazier, and we we think that you can't ever pass this, and it gets worse. We're like in season twenty-seven of Game of Thrones, and Cersei is not just sleeping with all of her relatives; she's sleeping with the farm animals and she's eating her relatives. And we're we're now looking and going, I'm I'm pretty sure they did that in season twenty-five, yeah. Pretty, pretty sure we, we've been here, done that already. No, no matter how insane it gets, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's Trump. This is where we are. And yet they manage each week to somehow get worse and worse. There can't be much worse left. This guy cannot last his term. Maybe the Republicans are starting to peel away, as we indicated before. There's been some movement in the Senate around this country, that this guy just cannot survive. Trump has done, I mean, he's got his, his lunatic base with him, but he's done a couple of things that are just anathema to Republican politics. And one, of course, is the stock market. We've had the worst stock market week since the Great Recession. Yes, one of the reasons to celebrate the Christmas holiday, by the way, the stock market's closed today. So we're not all losing money today. Yay. Go out and spend it on Christmas gift before it's all gone. We've had the worst stock market month since the Great Depression. And yes, it's Trump. It's not the people he's pointing his fingers at. It's Trump. And the Republicans are not going to accept that. Their donors, which is the real Republican base for Republican people in Congress, their base makes money through stocks not through working. They are not going to accept a stock market turndown. So as we noted in our humorous opening, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin came out this week and tried to calm the markets. Nothing to worry about here, ma'am. Nothing to worry about. Just keep moving along, moving along. The problem was um, by seeking to calm the markets about things that nobody was concerned about, he ended up freaking out. The markets. So, yeah, nothing to worry about here, ma'am. Um, this house uh, is very liable to withstand the termite invasion that's definitely coming. Uh, yep, the house will stand during the hurricane. I think that's going to happen. So by creating a crisis and then saying that it's not much of a crisis, he managed to make things a whole lot worse. Yes, these this is one of the adults still left in the administration. So, of course, Donald Trump, having created this crisis, continues to attack the Fed. And the Fed chairman that he personally appointed, in other words, you know, an Obama appointee, attacking him and finding out whether he can fire the Fed chairman. Oh, good. Because every time he tweets, I'm going to fire the Fed chairman, when he almost certainly cannot under the law, once again, really calms the markets. And you know what else the GOP doesn't like? The core base of the GOP doesn't like taking on the military, doesn't like attacking the military, doesn't like doing things that will uh, undermine funding for big military projects. So Donald Trump has had a really good week in attacking the Republican base, the base that's not his lunatic part of the base, but the big money base. And that really makes you wonder how long his support is going to last within the GOP. Already, members of the GOP are looking to flee the scene of the crime like crazy. The outgoing senators and congresspeople, including the Speaker of the House, piece of garbage, Paul Ryan, looking to flee the scene of the crime. Jerome Powell is probably wishing that Donald Trump would fire him so he can get the hell out. By the way, one of the humorous humorous moments of the week, Donald Trump tweeted that Jerome Powell was turning him into Hoover. Hoover, of course, being the president who presided over the beginning of the Great Depression. The Great Depression and did nothing about it. The guy, the president who fiddled while Rome burned, so to speak. What's so humorous about this? Seriously? President Trump tweeted that the federal chairman was trying to turn him into Hoover. Anybody out there want to take bets about whether the president of the United States has any effing clue who Herbert Hoover was? Anybody out there want to take any bets that the president of the United States can name 10 former presidents? You know, we've known for a long time that many of Trump's tweets are not actually written by Trump. This really has to be one of them. Because there's no way that this guy knows about Herbert Hoover. The president who thinks that Frederick Douglass is currently pitching batting practice. I think perhaps the better analogy, of course, with Trump is, well, actually the Hoover analogy is a pretty good one. Uh, Hoover twiddled uh, while while Rome burned, so to speak. Uh, Trump was caught with the matches and the gasoline. But the analogy is pretty good. But you know what else is a good analogy? An analogy with President Truman. President Truman, so famous for the buck stops here. Well, Donald Trump has taken that mantra one step further. The buck stops near. (laughs) Not actually, here, near. The buck stops near. Uh, Near enough that I could point my finger at somebody and blame whoever it was for whatever I did. This is what happens when you grow up and spend your life never having to take responsibility for anything. In fact, he probably has a sign on his desk that he's had his whole life. The buck stops anywhere but here. Never here no responsibility at all. Um, anyway, everyone's trying to flee the scene of the crime to the extent they can get the hell out of there. What's this say about the ones still sticking around? Yeah. The ones like Steve Mnuchin, our great treasury secretary. And let's not forget Mick Mulvaney, who's out there on all the Sunday talk shows, lying up a storm. I guess Kellyanne Conway must've been busy lying on her shows and Sarah the Huckster was busy lying on hers. We're not down to C-list people. We are down to F-list. We're down to Z-list people in our administration. But you want to look for more parallels, presidential parallels? The parallels to Nixon and Spiro Agnew just get more and more striking by the day. I've been listening to or had listened to the Slate podcast. I think I mentioned this on Watergate. Slow burn. I listened to the Rachel Maddow podcast this past week on Spiro Agnew, remembering those good old days from the early 70s. Uh, that was called Bagman, where we had a president and a vice president who were blatant criminals self dealing while in office. Sound familiar? It is remarkable. I recommend both of those podcasts because it is remarkable the parallels between Watergate and this current administration, between the corruption, the criminality that was going on throughout the administration, the garbage that was running this country, the fact that the president shuttered himself in the White House while Watergate was going on and apparently went completely nuts. Sound familiar? You know, We've been talking for the last few weeks since I think flags are still at half-mast for that great American patriot George H.W. Bush. And I was reminded during the podcast about how George H.W. Bush, who should be lauded in Republican politics for being the least blatant Republican presidential criminal of the last half-century, was in fact a pretty blatant criminal. And one other example of that that we haven't yet talked about on this show is how George H.W. Bush was taking the lead in seeking to obstruct justice into the investigation of Spiro Agnew and Watergate. Yes, George H.W. Bush was the head of the Republican Party and he was going to Republican senators and basically bribing and extorting them to shut up and sweep the things under the rug. Yes, this is the president we're still celebrating because he's actually the best of the recent and not-so-recent Republican lot. You wonder how it could be this crazy. Just this week, by the way, lost in the shuffle of all of this, President Trump obstructed justice again, just came out and blatantly obstructed justice again, seemingly ordering, putting pressure on at the very least, the new interim or whatever the hell he is, Attorney General Whitaker, to get rid of Robert Mueller. It hasn't even made the news. This is a federal crime. It's a felony. And it doesn't even make the news because it's, again, it's like, okay, Cersei slept with another relative? (laughs) Whatever. President's committed another felony? (laughs) Whatever. There's bigger news to report than that. When, When I look at At Christmas movies, I mentioned a Christmas carol to start the movie that maybe we'd be saved by the president being visited by three ghosts. Good luck with that. Maybe the better Christmas movie analogy here on Christmas Day is It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe we're like on the wrong side of It's a Wonderful Life and all those other movies. For those of you out there who don't understand the Christmas classic and the premise of it, and it's been repeated in a lot of movies since then, the guy thinks that he's worthless and done nothing with his life. And he's visited by an angel and he gets to see what life would have been like if he had never been born. And he sees how awful the world would have been without his contributions to it. Well, maybe that's the world we're living in right now. Maybe we're in the alternate reality of This is how shitty things would have been if, I don't know, maybe Hillary Clinton was visited by an angel and and she said, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I should have set up a private email server. And the angel came down and said, here's what life might have been like, how awful the world would have been ending in Armageddon if you had actually used a private email server. Well, we'd better wake up soon because... Who knows how this bad alternative reality can end up before we get back to real reality. And here's the strange thing this week. It's Christmas. So let's try to leave on a bit of a positive note. And you know what? The strange thing is here, there are positive notes here. What's unbelievable is we keep talking about from the beginning. We are in parallel universes. We have the Trump Republican cult cult lunatic criminal side of this country that wants to take us back before the Enlightenment. And on the other side, we are seeing such positive things. It's remarkable. We had apparently a Republican Congresswoman in Kansas just switch sides and call herself a Democrat in part because of how bad the Republican Party was on transgendered rights. Just a few years ago, Even liberals were saying that it was too soon to bring a case seeking to get same-sex marriage accepted throughout the country. It was too soon. The country wasn't ready for it. Just a few years ago. Now we have Republicans speaking out in favor of transgender rights and bashing their now former political party for not being supportive enough of transgender rights. We had the United States Senate capable of doing basically nothing for almost a decade voted overwhelmingly to pass criminal justice reform. Criminal justice reform that we have needed in this country for decades. It's not enough. It's not as much as we need. But it's a lot. And it's a great start. And Some people who are paying attention might have noticed it's what we liberals have been saying for 20 years. And now the conservatives are basically on board, at least with a lot of the core stuff. We talked about the judge's ruling, the pathetic, disgusting George W. Bush appointee ruling in Texas on the Affordable Care Act to strike down the Affordable Care Act. It looks like that ruling isn't even going to be upheld by the Fifth Circuit. And that's going to be the end of it. But here's the the most fun part of this. Just a couple of years ago, Republicans were trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act because its replacement would have been nothing. It would have thrown 30 million people off of health insurance, ruined a whole lot of lives, none of whom Republicans give a shit about. It would have been a win-win, I guess, for the Republican Party. But you know what? Now... Plenty of people, including me, think let them destroy the ACA because it's increasingly looking like looking likely that it's not nothing that will replace the ACA. It's single payer health care that will replace. It is Medicare for all that will replace the Affordable Care Act. Something that even Obama, just a few years ago when he was considering reforming health care, told his health reform advisors or panel. Don't consider single-payer. We couldn't even have a public option. We couldn't even allow government to compete with private insurance companies just a few years ago. And now it is looking increasingly likely that we are going to have a huge push, hopefully a successful one in this country, for single-payer health care. It is hard to imagine that whoever rises out of the, I don't know, soccer stadium crowd crowd, group that is going to run for the Democratic presidential nomination. It is hard to imagine that whoever emerges will not be a strong proponent of a single-payer healthcare system. Just a few weeks ago, New York City and New York State were celebrating, giving several billion dollars to Amazon and the richest man in the world to come to Queens. Since that time, It is amazing how much blowback there has been in New York and elsewhere, including from elected congresspeople, against the idea of paying Amazon all this money. This has been U.S. economics for decades. This is what we do. As we talked about months ago, we gave the New York Stock Exchange hundreds of millions of dollars in incentives. We gave the owners of the New York Mets and the New York Yankees more than a billion billion and a half dollars between them so they can have their stadiums and price their tickets too high for any normal people to actually go to the games. We've given money to NBC, everywhere else. States have been competing against states in governmental bidding wars for decades to give money to the wealthiest corporations. But now there is a real serious pushback against that there is a real movement that is way overdue i've been arguing in class about this for over 20 years that these that these incentive packages for corporations need to go they need to be banned by federal law and we're moving in that direction we're moving in that direction because you may not have noticed this. You know, remember Foxconn? We talked about this on this show a year ago. Foxconn, of course, is the is the Taiwanese um, electronics maker. It was making a lot of stuff for Apple. It's a huge company. This was the one that in China proper, the People's Republic of China, uh, had to install safety netting because of the number of workers who were committing suicide by jumping from high floors. Well... Remember a year ago, Paul Ryan was proud to announce and and Scott Walker, who was then the governor of Wisconsin, to announce that they were paying billions of dollars, about four and a half billion dollars to Foxconn to locate a big factory in Wisconsin. Paul Ryan's district. What a surprise. Oh, it was a big, wonderful thing. Four and a half billion dollars because Foxconn was going to bring 13,000 jobs. We did the math last time about what we were paying per job. Well, the math, it turns out we were off by a little bit because it turns out that 13,000 number was off. It's just off by a little. It was off by one. Well, unfortunately, that one was the one in the tens place because now they're announcing, well, it's not going to be 13,000 jobs. It'll be more like 3,000 jobs. So that takes us very quickly. I think I could do this math to about a million and a half dollars per job. Maybe they should just hand me the cash. But there is a pushback against these corporate sweetheart subsidy deals that we really haven't ever seen before. In fact, GOP shibboleths have been falling left and right for many, many, many years. The basic stock and trade of the Republican Party, the, the shit that they count on, Efficient markets, efficient wealthy people, valuable wealthy people. So many of the things that are basic core Republican economics have been bullshit for decades. But here's the thing. More and more people are starting to notice that they're bullshit. Not people who watch Fox News, but everybody who's not part of President Trump's core base is starting to move in the right direction. And maybe, on this Christmas of 2018, if we can survive until Christmas of 2019, maybe things could actually start to look up in this country? Anyway, happy holidays and a happy new year to all. When we speak to you next, I expect it will be after the new year. We hope it's a good one and we hope 2019 is a much better year for us all than 2018 has been. As always, thanks for listening. Please share us with your friends. And we hope to see you soon. Bye. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal.